for it is the duty of an astronomer to compose the history of the celestial motions through careful and expert study. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. Oh, yeah, baby Copernicus. Copernicus. I'll tell you what, we could keep going, but we'd definitely lose that listener, wouldn't we? Yeah. We're very sorry. We're not trolling you. I was just seeing if I could do a harmony. <laughs> we will we will have to branch out into <laughs> harmony um, intros, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big time. Matt, I'm so excited because this is something we've never done before. There's not going to be any space news. I can hear people crying, but chill out because how exciting is this? There'll be a bit of space news at the end. We can't go without mentioning. They've come out with the old Artemis details. Well, you've already ruined my there'll be no space news, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So 99% of it, this podcast is going to be about Titan. Titan! Before we delve into it, how cool Mm -hmm. is the name Titan? It's the coolest of all the... um, It is, isn't it? It is. The solar system bodies. Of all the Greeks, Titan sounds the coolest. I agree. There we go. So, Jamie, your quote. Nicholas Copernicus, the great... Polish mathematician and astronomer. He's only the person that went, hang on a second, everything's going around the sun. Yeah, you bloody idiots, as if we're the centre of the universe. We're way too ugly for that. Well, in some ways, you are always the centre of the observable universe. Oh, Matt. I mean, buy me a drink first, but that was lovely. Yeah, he died. He died today. On this day in 1543. What a founding father. And talking of... Incredible people. Born one year later, Matt. Mm-hmm. It was only William Gilbert. I know this this guy's this guy's ace. 1544, William Gilbert. He's Elizabeth the First's uh physician. So he like rubbed rubbed her feet and stuff, did he? Yeah. And he was a natural philosopher. But he's really famous for a book called The Magnet. He's considered the father. We've got lots of these fathers and mothers of things, haven't we? we he's have. considered the father of electrical engineering and magnetism. Now, I really like this one because you went into, uh, in your notes, you went into uh, where that comes from, which we'll go into in a bit. It's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so he's the originator of the term electricity. He had a, a, a object he called a Torella, and, mm. and uh, it's still, these things are used today. It's like a sort of... Uh, small earth and using it he basically said look i think the reason why compasses point north is because the earth itself is magnetic and obviously he was right yeah because a lot of people thought it was the pole star polaris the compasses pointed at polaris wrong yeah wrong and he sort of said well i think the center of the earth must be iron therefore yeah which is again correct how did he know that do we know because that is, in 1544, that's genius. Yeah, it's good. I mean, well, may, it's, maybe, maybe he didn't discover it when he was one, but you get my point. This, this, it's, it's this thing called Torella. That's how he discovered it. Ella, Ella. <laughs> and he also um, was one of the first people to think of, uh, to say that it was an absurdity to think that the stars that you see were on giant celestial spheres orbiting yeah. around us. And uh, he was convinced that uh, it, was, it was the Earth that was rotating rather than the heavenly spheres. I love that how brave people would have had to have been in that day 
to come out with that, you know, the challenging yeah. the dogma that we were born into. Yeah, and it, he, should we go into uh, should we go into the word? I'd like to I'd like to elaborate on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electricity. So that was first used in yeah. 1646 by a guy called Sir Thomas Brown. Correct. And it comes and it comes from that Gilbert's book in 1600 because he was talking about amber like so electricity literally means like amber and it was because I never Gil- knew yeah. that until this morning. And so yeah, Gilbert used to rub amber. Did amber mind? Say again. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm on fire today. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, well, if you rub amber, it it, it can attract other bits of amber. Really? Yeah, so it's all these little tiny experiments that people do eventually build into the understanding of electromagnetism. It's just incredible. That's genius. I love that. And without either Nicholas Copernicus or William Gilbert... 418 years later, in 1962, would have Scott Carpenter gone into space and orbited Earth three times in the Aurora 7 space capsule? Dun, dun, Mm. dun. I mean, yeah, what a legacy. Yeah, so all on the same day. Much, much more interesting than the 17th of May, where nothing Mm. happened. Still nothing happened, because that SpaceX didn't take off on the 17th of May. So we're still waiting we are still waiting, unfortunately. So, Jamie, did you see my Instagram post of the Apollo 10 crew vehicle? I did. That's, that's at the London Science Museum. Well, we've both seen this a few times, haven't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I urge you, if you haven't seen it, get yourself down to Kensington and pop along. And go on Sunday, because it's the 50th anniversary of when it became the world record fastest ever crude vehicle how and, fast and, are we and, talking well we are talking 24,791 miles an hour or 18 times faster than concord <laughs> that's pretty yeah, that's cool qu- isn't it that's quick and check out the crew john young eugene Tick. cernan and thomas yeah. stafford i mean that is the nuts isn't it that's and, the holy trinity isn't it yeah and the uh, it's on loan from the smithsonian and the command module is called Charlie Brown. Uh-huh. But Snoopy, the uh, ascent stage of the Apollo lunar module, uh-huh. uh, was jettisoned off into a heliocentric orbit and no one knows where Snoopy is. It's just going to join the other pets in space. It's out there. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. So, Jamie, let's cut to the chase. Please, because I'm shaking with excitement. <laughs> <laughs> so... We're going back to the moon, aren't we? So we're going back to the moon. We'll talk a little yeah. bit about Artemis later. But we're going back. But is it the wrong moon? Ooh. That's no moon. That's not the That's right moon. no moon. I, I tell you what, you know I love a moon. Yeah. And I have to say, because of my obsession with Europa, I haven't looked into Titan much. But I tell you what, it is absolutely stunning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It's bigger than our moon. Yeah. It's even bigger than Mercury. But here's here's the killers. It's got an atmosphere. A really thick atmosphere. There's wind. There's yep. rain. There's seas. There's lakes. There's rivers. 
There's more hydrocarbons than all the oil and gas reserves on Earth. It's a planet crying out for humans to do a bit of anthropogenic climate change. And we're going to talk about the volcanoes later because they ain't like the volcanoes on Earth. No, it, no. It's it just beautiful. So what else have they got? Dark dunes, Matt, full of organic material, hundreds yeah. of times more abundant than all the coal in our world. On the whole of Earth, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a, a fuel depot waiting to happen, isn't it? When they found out about what the resources were, you know, America's ears were going to prick up. Yeah. Like, oh, suddenly they need to, uh, I think they need to be free, the inhabitants of uh, Titan. Let's go and so, rescue them. So, ah, oh, that, that's that's cruel. Is it cruel? Yeah. I, I don't subscribe to that kind of nonsense, Jamie. What, that America makes wars to get oil? I mean, I'm including England in this, to be to be fair. I was going to say, no, no I, don't, I don't subscribe to it because... Really? Uh, no, no, not really. Okay, I'll, ta- I I'll take it all back, we, America. But but we can but we we can discuss this over a pint some other time. Let's discuss it. I don't, I don't and you know what? It's okay not to uh, agree, isn't it? I believe that you've probably been reading too much Noam Chomsky, who's basically <laughs> a massive idiot. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> we could go down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's uh, Bobby Z, old uh, Robert Zubrin. Yeah, our mate Bob. Um, he had a book called Entering Space, Creating a Spacefaring Civilization. And in that, he called Titan the important moon on which to establish a base. Because the, because Saturn is a true gem of a system. Shall I give you a quote? Yeah, see if you can do it in Bobby Z voice. Go. In certain ways... Titan is the most hospitable extraterrestrial world within our solar system for human colonization. That that sounded that was more a bit more like um, Carl Sagan. Carl Sagan, damn it! Yeah, I'll no, work uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. If you're uh, listening, I, I, sorry, sorry, Bobby. Bob, Bobby Z always reminds me of Woody Allen when he speaks. Oh yeah, and he looks a little bit like Paul Simon. I always think. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Titan's atmosphere, and see if this sounds familiar. Titan's atmosphere is made of oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, and methane. So whose well, bedroom smells like that? <laughs> I was going to say, I actually did have a uh, gel frazy last night, so it's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's rough, but as you know, it's livable. It's yeah, livable. I mean, it's just, you know, you just need to crack a window. Yeah. <laughs> So there's vast oceans of liquid water trapped under the surface. Uh-huh. And water rain blows in from Enceladus. So and you know these massive geysers from Enceladus that Cassini spotted. Some of that water actually kind of rains down on onto Titan. Massive geysers. Um do you know what Matt I saw a YouTube documentary earlier today just a short one on Titan. Mm-hmm. And they were doing an experiment where they were dripping drops of methane onto sheets of ice. And it was just soaking up the methane. So most of the ice, they reckon, is just full of methane. It is the methane planet. What would happen if you lit a match, Matt? Would it blow up or are we it's, safe? Well, I don't know if there's enough oxygen in the uh, atmosphere. Uh, what I do know, because you've got nitrogen, methane and ammonia... You've you've yeah. got plenty of fertilizers if you want to grow food. 
and the uh-huh. hydrogen in the atmosphere uh, can react with uh, acetylene that's also in the atmosphere. So you've got plenty of chemicals for power plants, or you could actually use tidal power tidal from something power. like Kraken Mare, because the, the, the seas that they have are being pulled, obviously, by Saturn, so Saturn does the same job as our moon in terms of creating tides on on Titan. So How there's, there's tidal would power. That be if you lived on Titan to see oh, that view. Didn't you say it was eleven times bigger than the view of our moon? It it, it is, but but the problem is Titan's atmosphere is very very thick, and it's mm. it's it's orange. It's you know it's like a real thick orange goop. So it. Maybe if it was illuminated right, you'd see Saturn. But the great thing about this, and I absolutely love this, is it's not particularly difficult to kind of go up in the atmosphere because it's so thick and the gravity is not that. If you had a spacesuit and you had wings as part of the spacesuit, like, you know, just some wings, you could actually flap your arms and fly. (laughs) What? Yeah, so you could... So if you could get high enough into the atmosphere, you could, yeah, take a look at the at Saturn, but not just Saturn, all the other sort of big moons going round, but Saturn, yeah, would be 10 times or 11 times bigger than the moon, and it would have this beautiful ring system as well. It would be okay. amazing. This, you're doing a good job at getting me to love this a little bit more than Europa, which is tough. Yeah, I'm not and quite not... there, but you're getting there. The, fly, <laughs> so, the flying spaceman did it. Yeah, I mean, wings on your spacesuit and flapping about. But you could also do a thing where you'd say, get an enormous like plastic bubble and then yeah. fill it full of warm earth air. So it was just like living in on Earth, the same temperature and just full of, you know, just nice breathable air. And you would float up into the atmosphere. So you could literally travel around in a kind of uh, Earth biosphere bubble as well. Jeez. So you could do that. Okay, listen, Matt, I don't want to put a downer on things, mm-hmm. but what's the catch here? Because <laughs> clearly we're not, we're not doing this. We're not doing it well. Other than, other than it being very, very difficult to get there, what's the catch? The catch is it's colder than a husky's nose. And around minus 179.5 degrees centigrade. So oh, great. There goes my tan. Yeah. <laughs> but the weird thing is because, because it's not like – so your spacesuit, for example, because it's not like the moon or, or Mars, it's got this thick atmosphere. So you've got this pressure pushing – you've got an atmospheric pressure pushing down on you. So you don't need pressure suits. So you just need very, very warm clothing, you know, much like the kind of clothing that you would wear in extreme Arctic conditions. Obviously well, I can need, cope with that. Yeah, you'd need breathing apparatus as well because it's, you know, the despite the oxygen and the nitrogen, et cetera, there's not quite the right mix to be able to breathe. And I would imagine that there's too many organonitrogen compounds in the, uh, in the air to, for it to be particularly <sighs> nice. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when you actually float up in this atmosphere while flapping your wings, it would it would start to get blue at the top as well. So it would it would all seem re- really quite familiar. I love that. 
because there's so much of these hydrocarbons around, you, it'd be quite easy to make, you'd have just tons and tons of building materials to make plastics and things like that. And you could just construct epic habitations because the gravity would be low enough for you to just build incredibly amazing, you know, tall buildings, et cetera, et cetera. So there's another plus side to it, but it is the cold. It is the cold that's a bit of a problem. Also, imagine how much hate we'd get the Interplanetary Podcast if we said that we're going to go to Titan and build plastic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, in some ways, the you know, human pollution could be quite good for Titan because we, we want to heat it up a little bit, so we want to kind of start generating a little bit of CO2 so that they can have a little bit of greenhouse, uh, you know, the greenhouse effect on there. Yeah, you know, so it, it could be a good thing. You know, and it's, well, it's there we go. And we're not the only people to think it either. Arthur C. Clarke had it as a as something uh, had it as a I think a kind of fuel depot in one of his later books. It's just all the fuel you need to go interplanetary. Absolute so, legend. If you went down to the beach, Titan's many beaches, um, yeah. the sand there, which they're not quite sure what it's made of, but there is a certain type of sand that they think. It's this particular type of sand that rubs together and becomes extremely electrically charged, so it just all sticks together rather than be crumbly. So you could build really eight epic sandcastles and they would stay there for weeks. It would look really God, cool. That is nuts. We just need to go, Matt. Yeah. You know, bucket and spade. Yeah. Maybe take a warm coat, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like what you've put here, that the journey to Saturn in the first place is a total fanny ache. <laughs> Yeah, and for our American <laughs> listeners, it, it it means the uh, the other side. <laughs> oh, so yeah, that, yeah, the lack of gravity, I suppose, is the real problem. It's slightly less gravity than the moon's, despite being bigger. It's just not as dense as the moon. Because, mm. Yeah, because there's more there's more water basically. There's more water on Titan rather than just a great big lump of rock. But yeah, the valleys that the the fluid has carved out is that they're absolutely stunning. Yeah, well, the whole thing the whole thing is joined together by aquifers and everything. So, essentially, what the whole of the kind of water cycle on Earth is being replaced by a kind of methane cycle in on um, on Titan. So, virtually everything's mm. there: rain, rivers, lakes, seas, aquifers. All these kind of things and, and all these valleys and canyons that have been carved out by uh, what they think are methane rivers or certainly hydrocarbon rivers. I mean, so it's, but some of the places sound so cool. So you've got things like this massive bright area called Xanadu, which is the size of Australia. And, it's, yeah. and the hills are cut with all these crisscross of dark ridges and methane seas. Ah, oh, man. And there's the lake districts as well, where there's lots of different uh, uh, hydrocarbon lakes. And it's the only God, body on in the solar system that, that we know of that has stable sort of liquids on the surface. It kind of sounds like a psychedelic Earth, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, You've it's, got this crazy view. You've got all of the methane lakes, but it's sort of familiar, but not. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all weird, isn't it? But I mean, I'll tell you what, how boring does Mars seem now? I know well, this is the thing. I'm actually thinking if this was nearer, it would be totally the obvious place to go, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, there's ethane lakes of of the Ontario Lacus. There's plus we'd be really young, Matt, because a year mm. on Titan is, I think, is it thirty years? Something like or that. Or thirty three. Yeah. So we yeah. So we would only would be barely be two. Thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, did you say barely be two? I'm not 60 now. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't believe it took you there. that long to notice. Um, I know. Yeah. You know, would you like to visit Shangri-La? It's where the Huygens... Oh, I would. It's where the Huygens Space Probe... We should mention Huygens Ooh, Space Probe because... We should do. Huygens Space Probe was uh, NASA and ESA's little probe that Cassini carried and dropped it was. down into the... Into, well, a lot of what we know about Titan is from that probe, but also Cassini yeah. did lots and lots of flybys and and looked at so much stuff. And all that data is still being looked through. So all the time there's there's new facts about Titan coming out that, that are really, really interesting. Just super, super cool. I mean, who wants to go? I want to... Answers I, on a postcard. I want to go because I want to go see Vid Flumina which is like the Nile of Titan, this huge, massive Ooh. river that runs through and it's, and it's, and it's, fl- it's got these flooded canyons and things like that. So if an asteroid hits Titan, um, mm. it could sort of release some of this uh, water that may be below in a sort of water ocean and melt mm. the ice. And it would be centuries before that ice would freeze again potentially uh and so you could because there's all these this this hydro you know organic material that on on titan it might actually just be enough that these all this kind of goop all this organic goop would start to synthesize simple molecules that may actually even seed life just temporarily on titan well, this is the thing. One of the scientists in this documentary I saw was saying that, I mean, of course, life in methane on Earth wouldn't survive. Hmm. But who knows whether it would or not on another moon, circling another planet. Oh, yes. So um, there we go. Well, well, this is one of the, the other things. Millions of tonnes of Earth rocks have kind of ended up on the surface of Saturn's moons from various asteroid stri- strikes and uh, super Wait volcanoes. Wait Matt, are you alluding to what I think you're alluding to? Panspermia, panspermia. my second favourite Pans- fact. Panspermia, yeah. So, uh, of course, Titan could have had some life pollinated from Earth or vice versa. But like you said, it's unlikely that life that has somehow evolved to use methane instead of water, because it's all about... Water is obviously a, the universal solvent, and that's you know ma- mainly why life forms. We're pretty convinced that life needs water, but actually, mm. hydrocarbons like methane are, can also, but n- not as efficiently, um, act as a as, as a solvent. So you know, can carry all the nutrients around a particular organism, and some of the some of the things that people have done on this front are really, really interesting. So might we find life on Titan is a really, really uh, interesting question. And there's a, there's, a, there's a habitability index called the Dirk Schultz Makuk Habitability Ooh, Index. I like it. And Titan is number one after Earth Ooh. 
in terms of its likelihood to be uh, habitable by uh, some form of life form. So it's very, very rich in, in, in all this complex organic chemistry. Yeah. There's a subsurface liquid ocean. So that's pretty exciting. Um, most of the, obviously, most of the water is solid and frozen, but maybe you can have this methane, ethane based life. And even more interesting than that is some of the atmospheric anomalies that were detected by Cassini and hmm. Huygens might be the result of these methane-producing organisms. And but obviously, obviously, it's it's <laughs> more likely to be some uh, meteorological process or geo geological process. But hey, um, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? And God damn, is it? Yeah. Uh, and it's obviously one of the really irritating things if you're a Titan fan is one of the it's this lack of water that means that whenever there's a mission and it's to choose and you have to choose which science mission you're going to use instead of are, are we going to go to Enceladus are we going to go to Europa obviously the Titan ones often miss out and people don't talk about Titan that often uh, but there's been some very very um, interesting experiments when it comes to things like uh, the Miller-Urey experiments that suggest mm. that Titan has all the ingredients that Earth had when life got started. Um, it's just the ammonia that may be slowing, that might stop life from forming. Um, but yes, there's a, there's a scientist called Sarah Horstoff of the University of Arizona. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and she was able... To make uh, nucleotide bases, which is which is um, which is pretty much what you make DNA and RNA from. So, as far uh -huh. as we know, they are the chemicals of life. But she was able to make nucleotide bases um, despite the lack of water using the chemistry of Titan. Um, and then NASA have bolstered those claims by confirming that there is indeed the presence of polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons in the Titan atmosphere. I've never heard you say that sentence. No, but and and they think that something because cyanide is 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 disappearing at the surface, so something is consuming cyanide, and it could Ooh. be life forms based on this methane. RNA, DNA, nucleotide bases. God damn. Wouldn't that be ironic that there's life forms breeding off the back of taking cyanide? Finding life on Titan would change everything. I mean, it would. It so would. Because you'd suddenly say, not only is life common, because it would now be definite that life got started in two different ways on two different bodies in the solar system. So life, you'd have to assume, is pretty common. But not only is life common, it's actually you could have life that doesn't require water, which would massively open up what could be habitable and what isn't habitable. God, my head is spinning. And, and get this. I'm loving this. Astrobiologists Chris McKay and Heather Smith they yeah. predicted that you could see chemical signatures of methane-based life. Uh, and then Daryl Strobel of John Hopkins actually went out and found some evidence of those chemical signatures. And, 
and other what? papers came out and showed evidence of biosignatures as well. Now, the, the problem with that, of course, is this is very tentative science. But and mm. obviously, people like the Daily Te- Telegraph went out and basically said things like, "We have evidence of aliens," which is yeah, of course, it doesn't help. No, it doesn't does help. It? I mean, I know I can't talk, but I mean, I don't write it down and publish it. No. But there's, I mean, there's some amazing experiments going on where, where people have managed to build um, cell membranes using only Titan building blocks, so stuff that's on Titan. They call them aso- azotomes, and they behave exactly like normal Earth organic membranes, but only use acrylonitrile. Uh, or, and things like that instead of the normal earth building blocks. So it's possible. And so it's possible, yeah. You, it's possible that you can have cell membranes that don't follow <sighs> the earth way of doing things. Oh, my God. Um, when the sun becomes a red giant, of course, mm. Titan might actually become really habitable for humans. We might find ourselves going to Titan as our last kind of stand against the the red giant of a sun eating the earth. God, I don't know where to start, Matt. Well, if I haven't convinced you yet that we need to be going to Titan, I've got one last little... Do you know what? I've got one little... Bo- you have, no, but, but, I, but what I need is some facts. I've got No, I've got one little bonus for you. One final oh, bonus. Titan has rainbows. What? Yeah, it's likely that Titan will have rainbows. Because there's rain there. Yeah, because there's all this methane rain that's continually pouring down. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Titan year, just under 30 Earth years. How long's Titan's day, do you know? Uh, Is it 15 days? It's more like 16 days, just under 16 days, yeah. But like the moon, like the moon, Titan is tidally locked to Saturn. So one side of the planet, uh-huh. you've got a permanent, a permanent view of Saturn. And on the other side, you've got this permanent view out into the glorious majesty of the universe. Ooh. Obviously, you have to be high up in the, high up in the sky. Yeah. Um, this is going to make you feel colder, Matt. Mm-hmm. There's a 4,000-mile-wide ice corridor spanning four-tenths of the circumference of the moon. Wow. I mean, that's insane, isn't well, it? Well, yeah, that that is is maybe an indication of uh, some form of previous cryovolcanism. And you we did say that we were going to me- uh, mention this volcanism because this is this is one of the real mysteries of Titan. Can you uh for for the non-star trekky people out here, can you let us know what that means? Cryovolcanism is yeah. is volcanoes that instead of erupting lava and magma like they do here on earth Mm. they actually uh, erupt with snow and ice and you know liquid methane and things like that so 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 when you put your hand into the lava of a titan volcano you would freeze not burn yeah exactly wow and they're not quite sure whether they're doing it or not, whether it's still active. But this four thousand wide mile, uh, four thousand mile wide ice corridor cert- is certainly some kind of indication to this 
volcanism. But that would be the glory, wouldn't it? A volcano that's spewing out snow would be pretty cool. My God. What about the waves? So, yeah, the waves. Uh, what kind of waves would you get on Titan seas? Well, because the because it's less dense, because the instead of it's not water, it's obviously methane, it's not as dense, the waves aren't as rigorous. And also there's not as much gravity, so the rain, uh, so the waves aren't as rigorous. But one of the weird things is that they think that all this rain that comes down, this orange, uh, goopy rain, um, yeah. is is forms on the surface and actually sort of dampens down the waves as well. So in actual fact, when you're looking out on these Titan seas and lakes, they would be like mill ponds. They'd be really, really calm. God, that is, and, that is and nuts. Just like I'm trying the, to get a picture in my head. And just like the moon, Jamie, I think if you went swimming in the Titan Lakes like some kind of nutter, um, yeah. It, you could, you could. It's like that dolphin thing where you, humans can swim fast enough that they can actually literally jump out the water and and go up in the air. Now we're talking. <laughs> uh, and I could see all kinds of new tattoos, Matt. People getting me jumping out of the water mm. with a rainbow in the background. Mm. So yeah, that's camp, isn't it? It is very camp, and and the great thing about it is all the rain coming down. The raindrops are twice as big, so. Imagine it. It's just imagine the scene. There's me flying around with my winged spacesuit. There's you <laughs> swimming in the lakes like a dolphin. Swimming in the lakes, jumping And the out, rain's yeah. coming down with these massive droplets of rain with a massive infrared rainbow behind us. And a, and a volcano spewing out um, ice and snow. Yeah, with, with methane unicorns. Yeah, I think you've been sniffing too much of that <laughs> methane, haven't you? <laughs> So, uh, Jamie, have you got any rundowns of possible missions that might be going to Titan to, to sort of have a check out how this ridiculously ace world? Well, I'm glad you asked, Matt, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I absolutely have. So non-funded, Matt, but here are some proposals. The Titan-Saturn system mission mm -hmm. uh, was a joint NASA and ESA proposal for exploration of Saturn's moons. Uh, and that would be a hot air balloon floating in Titan's atmosphere for six months. Proposal for funding. In February 2009, it was announced that ESA and NASA had given the Europa-Jupiter system mission uh, priority, which, I mean, that would have made me happy until this episode, Matt. God, it's so annoying, is it? Because we were so excited about going to Europa or Enceladus, but... I'm still oh. excited, but wow, yeah. it doesn't... It pales in comparison now. My my favourite, I think, might be time. What a bit brilliant name that is, time. What an acronym. Yeah, Titan Mare Explorer, so Sea Explorer, and that would have been a, a lander that splashed down in the Titan's northern hemisphere and float yeah. on the surface of one of the lakes for three to six months. Uh, that would have been cool. Yeah, and it was selected for Phase A design study in 2011 as a candidate mission for the 12th NASA Discovery Program, but unfortunately well, you... not selected. Are well, you going to like this one, Matt? Mm -hmm. Aviator. Yeah. <laughs> the aerial vehicle for in situ and airborne Titan reconnaissance. Aviator. Um, yeah, so an oh. unmanned plane or drone 
that would fly through Titan's atmosphere and take high-def images of the surface of Titan. Mm. Uh, NASA did not approve the requested $715 million. Um, and the future product is uncertain. But well, That's gutting, you know, isn't it? I mean, cause we'll see. $715 million doesn't sound not in much. The, yeah, in the space for a, world. For a drone to fly around Titan's atmosphere. In the space world, Matt, that is a large raindrop in the ocean. See what I did there? Mm. Well, here's a, here's a European one. A Spanish-based private engineering firm, Senna, and the Centro de Astrobiologica in Madrid, Centro de Astrobiologia in Madrid. Much better. Thanks. I, I got there eventually. Uh, has, a, yeah. has a probe called the Titan Lake in situ sampling propelled explorer, or Talese. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Talese, unlike time, Time just just floated there on the surface, whereas Talese would actually sort of motorboat around. That's what you like doing, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I lied about what my favourite was. My favourite is named after the Paul McCartney classic, Jet, the journey to Enceladus and Titan. I mean, imagine how excited I am about this one. A spacecraft, a discovery-level programme, that goes to Enceladus and Titan. Oof. Can you imagine? If you can add on Europa, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's some detour. I just want to point that out. Yeah, it is pretty big. That one could get funded. Oh, my God. I'm going to write a letter. And I tell you what, now that I'm a co-host of the Interplanetary Podcast, I think they'll listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's also in the pipeline a submarine that might go to Titan. Ooh. And there's also a uh, a dragonfly mission, which is another drone that's uh, proposed for a 2025 launch, a New Frontiers program, so a bit like the probe that went past Pluto. I'm excited about Titan, and I hope that whoever gets there that we discover loads more about it because, my God, what potential. Yeah, Titan, I have to say, that's really, really exciting, isn't it? I mean, just the thought of finding a, a, a type of life that's based on methane instead of water. Well, it's ridiculous. It, it, it would change everything. It really would just change everything because suddenly life would be just so abundant in the universe. It'd be like, wow, it must be everywhere. Imagine that, getting a Titan tan. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. I, I thought I would just quickly mention, let's go back to our, our own moon now. I know it's, it's, it seems such a, a boring, grey, dreary place, doesn't it, after talking oh, about Titan? Don't wanna, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> no lakes, no volcanoes of ice. Oh. <sighs> Boring. Uh, the moon. Uh. But yes, anyway. Something about places with no atmosphere, Matt. I mean, literally no atmosphere. Yeah. So there's more details on Artemis. Uh, there's a whole massive sort of timeline of how this is going to happen, how they're going to get... It will be on our blog. Yeah, it will be Please on our blog. check it out. Big NASA poster. Shows you how they're going to get humans to land at 2024 and to have a permanent base by 2028 on the moon, which is exciting, but uh, there's some huge obstacles to uh, overcome. 
literally most mostly i would say the biggest obstacle is the political vulnerability of it all um mm. because it's not exactly assert is it that trump is going to stay and of course whoever gets in next might go do you know what an extra 8 billion a year on nasa isn't really what i want to be spending my money on so of course there's that yeah. There's the track record of all the blooming contractors that have been used so far. I mean, Boeing is massively behind on SLS, so why should it suddenly be able to speed up and deliver all these other things? And the mm. exploration upper stage be, being ready for 2024 just seems totally unrealistic. It kind of does, doesn't it? Mm. We keep saying this. Maybe it will... Maybe it'll prove us wrong. Let's hope so. Well, you know, the one thing that might might turn all this around is Starhopper, the you know the big silver thing out in in mm. the desert is uh, might, that might be flying like hundreds of meters up in the air and doing little hops in the next month. We really want to see that. So come on, Elon, you can do it. Let's do it, Matt. Yes, uh, it's a bit embarrassing, but um. I've just listened to this episode of the Interplanetary Podcast and I'd like to know more about how I can subscribe, mm -hmm. uh, follow follow them on Instagram and possibly donate because they're ad-free to become a patron. Um, well, Jamie, you can, you can probably get yourself over to their website, which is uh, right. www.interplanetary.org.uk. Um, okay. You could go to directly to their Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash interplanetary. And you could take a look okay. at some of the additional content and maybe you might choose to subscribe and help out the couple of hapless English buffoons with their couple of old, <laughs> couple of old Titan hacks. Titan hacks. I'm sitting. Imagine us, Matt, with our mic microphones on the shores of Titan's beaches. One day, sipping Jamie. on our methane cocktails. Let's see if we can just be just loving life. The first people to do a podcast from another world. There we go. That's a hell of a. That's a hell of a ten-year plan. You can make that dream come true. Do it. Yeah. Um, if you're listening. Thank you very much to all our patrons who, without them, this would just simply not be possible. Literally make the show happen. Every single one of you that is on Patreon and especially our Skylon patrons who are just legends, oh, super deep, legends. Deep bow. And keep up uh, emailing us and, and tweeting us and instagramming yeah. us because the titan episode was a uh a listener suggestion that i thought do you know what let's just do it we should just do it we want more of that so what would you like us to ramble on about and, and dig deep into um let us know let us know and it's we've said it before but it's our favorite thing to get uh emails and, and messages from you guys so keep it up keep it up right Jamie, what are you what what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Uh, I'm going to go and vote because I don't want Nigel Farage oh, to have oh, anything to do with my my living in Europe. E excellent. Do you know what? That's a really good call. I'm going to do. I'm going to do that exactly. I'm going to run downstairs. Well, I'm and glad see I reminded yeah, you. Yeah, that really is unbelievable. Uh, and this is going out on a Friday, so it would be too late. But I hope you went and voted. Yeah. Uh, 
me too. If you had the chance, if you ever have the chance to vote, please vote. Even if it's spoiling yeah. your paper to show how much you hate the system. Because I tell you what, if people like Nigel Farage don't like foreigners in our earth, he's not going to like anyone on Titan, is he? No. You could, you, and we don't want that. You could, of course, vote for me to be your leader on, in Asgardia. Oh, I'm going to do it. Don't forget to get your boarding pass with the Mars 2020 rover. Pick it up. And get your name on Mars. Jamie, this has been a pleasure talking to you today about Titan. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I wish you a wonderful evening, Matt, and I'll speak to you soon. See you soon, Spodcats. I love you lots. Bye-bye. Lots of love from Titan. Thank you.